that's one of the things I love mm. about seeing some of these people who I talked to way back then who are moguls now. LL Cool J. We had several interviews with him over the years, but one thing I remember him saying is, sometimes you need to talk less and listen more. Mm. And that simple statement struck me for a very long time. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. I have an amazing show for you today. I am honored to have Lorna Little, the president and CEO of St. Anne's Family Services. She is just another amazing woman because here at Lead With Your Brand, We are amplifying the voices of women with our collection of shows featuring amazing executives, business leaders, and innovators who continue to share their wisdom and move their industries forward. It's all part of our celebration of Women's History Month and the International Day of Women's Visibility. So celebrate women's achievement, raise awareness against bias, and take action for equality. Check out our full collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash women on brand. But before we get to Lorna, let's talk a little bit about the power of networking and more importantly, what you can do when you show up in person to an event. Now, over the past couple of weeks, I have been on the road and in person at several live conferences. One of my favorites was the Out and Equal Executive Forum that took place in National Harbor, Maryland. Now, I speak at Out and Equal every Every single year. But for me, it is really all about being able to come and connect with all of my peers, all of my colleagues, and all of my clients. But you know what? It can be awkward when you show up in person for an event because we're so used to sitting in these virtual environments. And I want to share a couple of things that I have learned. The first thing is that no one has business cards anymore. So if you're that lucky person that still has a box left in your desk, make sure that you bring them, but don't expect to be passing tons of business cards. Instead, I want you to be sure to have your mobile phone out. There are two tools on there. The first one is LinkedIn, and yes, this is the place to be for a professional. But remember, when you go into that search bar on your phone, if you tap in there, you will see a QR code logo that when you click on it, it brings it up to not only your QR code, but a scanner so that you can live connect with people right there 
in one of the sessions or one of the meetings that you happen to be at. So instead of trying to figure out who they are, you know, later that evening or the next day by typing in, just say, hey, I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and do it there in person. Now, my second tip here that I learned from the great LinkedIn expert and guru, Jennifer Darling, is to never just blindly connect with someone. Always go in and hit personal invite and send them a message. Now, if they connect with you, accept the invite and in real time, send them a message because you want to establish context so that in a year, you know exactly who the person is and how you met. So when I connected with folks, I would send that personal invite and I would say, hey, Cheryl, it was so great to meet you in National Harbor, Maryland, period. Now, suddenly when I am able to go back, I know the exact context and location that we met each other. So it's all about starting that connection digitally. Now, here's the thing. You might have so many connections that you're trying to make. You can also just ask people if you can snap a photo of their conference lanyard. In fact, last night at a reception, I didn't have a chance to pull out the whole QR code scanning, but I asked a gentleman if I could take a photo of his lanyard. And by the way, he offered to make a big connection for me to speak at another conference. So of course, now I can go back and put a more thoughtful connection request together. But it isn't just about digital. That's why we're there in person. So I want you to be a super connector. And what you have to do is resist being on your mobile phone the whole time. When there is a break, when there is a pause in the program, resist the urge to check your phone. Put it in your pocket because that is the time you need to go up to people. I want you to turn to the people next to you and start out by just asking great questions. If you're at a conference, turn to the person next to you and just simply ask, hey, what did you think of the last speaker? Or, hey, what's been your favorite part of the conference so far? Or ask, hey, are you having fun? What are you loving here? There are all sorts of open-ended questions that allow you to break the ice. Remember, it's all about building rapport. It's not about your elevator pitch and selling yourself. In fact, I want you to make sure that you are putting people on stage first. So ask great questions and use all of the tools in front of you. When you glance down and look at their name tag, what do you see? You oftentimes see what city they're from. So if I see someone from Minneapolis, St. Paul, I'll say, oh, how long have you lived in the Twin Cities? They'll tell me and then I'll follow up and say, I love the Twin Cities. My parents-in-law live there and my husband actually grew up there. Then I might ask another question. Have you ever been to the Minnesota State Fair? Because we can start talking about something hyper-local that is interesting to them and suddenly we have rapport. Or perhaps take a look at the name tag that they're wearing and see what company they are from. Most of us work for big branded companies. You might tell someone, oh, I love that brand. In fact, I recently just sat next to a gentleman who works for Spectrum Charter Communications. I said, wow, I see that you work for Spectrum. I'm from Los Angeles and I love my Spectrum cable and internet. In fact, I don't even know why I put so many televisions up around 
around my house. I actually watch everything on your app. In fact, I take my phone into the shower with the Spectrum app so I can watch the Today Show in the morning. We chuckled, we laughed, and we started talking about it, but we ended up having a great conversation. Why? Because I built rapport and I opened up the door for us to have a conversation that put that person on stage first. It wasn't about me rattling off my elevator pitch. Now, of course, once you start the conversation, people naturally ask about you. So that's where you want to have your short elevator pitch. But remember, that elevator pitch is all delivered in a way because you want them to say, wow, that's interesting. Tell me more. And it's not about rattling off your LinkedIn profile or memorizing that script. No, no, no. It's about naturally sharing what it is that you are working on and how that might connect or be of service to them. Remember, creating connection is all about finding similarities and all about creating value in the moment and in the future. Now, once you have all of those connections, make sure you follow up in a natural way. And I don't mean follow up by saying, hey, can you read my script? Or I want help from you. No, instead, be of service. I will tell you, I have met multiple folks that when I speak on stage and I say something about being obsessed with Disney theme parks around the world, afterwards, we'll talk at the cocktail reception and they'll share something about going to Disney World or Disneyland on a vacation with their family. Well, you know what? When I follow up with them, I make it about them and I'm of service and I share some of my tips and send them articles to my favorite blog, Mice Chat, that gives all sorts of information about how you can master going into Disney theme parks using lightning lanes and all of that good stuff. And guess what? That keeps the conversation going because later they ping me back on LinkedIn and say, hey, I loved the trip. My kids were so thrilled that you shared all of those tips, we went on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot three times, all thanks to you. So remember, networking is not about being fake. It's not about selling yourself, and it's not about trying to collect business cards. No, no, no. It's all about building relationships and being of service to folks. Because remember, in your network, by the time you need something from someone, it's too late to be trying to get that connection. Well, I am super thrilled about our show today. I have Lorna Little, President and CEO of St. Anne's Family Services. Now, she is a driving force behind the organization's Thriving Families, Brighter Futures motto. Now, Lorna Little has served and developed innovative programs for children and families since 2018. With a focus on underserved communities that often live in the shadows, she has successful history of leading and developing exceptional programming that addresses the physical, behavioral, and emotional components that lead to an optimal life trajectory. Lorna has extensively worked with parenting youth, youth and foster care, and in all aspects of adoption. What makes Lorna even more of an exceptional ally is her background that melds an interesting mix of social services leadership and media entertainment. She is the author of Mums the Word, her personal story of late discovery adoption. She's also a media producer and television personality, previously hosting her own local television show with national guests and celebrities. Understanding the power of communication and connection from sharing our 
stories, Lorna sees the golden thread that connects her media experience, public speaking, and her work in the field of social service. With an unwavering belief that we are all connected, her efforts bring about hope, joy, healing, and empowerment. She unapologetically uses her purpose and voice to provide a little guidance. I'll be back in just a few moments with Lorna Little, the president and CEO of St. Anne's Family Services. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest today. It is Lorna Little, who is the president and CEO of St. Anne's Family Services. Lorna, what is going on today? I am so happy to be here with you. It's a great day to have a conversation about all the things about uh, what it takes to, to kind of be your own brand. So thank you for having me. Ooh, well, I am so thrilled to hear about your career and your brand. But first, let's start out with the brand that you serve. Tell me what is going on at St. Anne's Family Services. What should we know about? Well, St. Anne's Family Services has been around for over 114 years. And, you know, years ago, it was the program where, you know, a young woman may have become pregnant and made a plan of adoption, worked with her family, and they came to a program to have their child and, you know, go back into the community. That was the time. That was the era. I've obviously not been around for 114 years, but <laughs> I've been here, let's, let's be real clear, um, but I've been here for the last five years. And uh, the reason I am excited about being here is because of where we are now. The program has evolved to being an amazing program, working with youth who are connected with the foster care system, looking at how they can really uh, maximize their life experience. Some of them are young moms. We also have housing programs, as you know, housing is a critical issue in Los Angeles, many unhoused individuals, and mm. we have mental health services and supports and, you know, wraparound service, workforce development. So everything um, that's available and possible to allow someone to have the level of success that they ought to have, um, but life experiences have, you know, placed some barriers in their way. So yeah. my role as president and CEO is trying to remove those barriers. Wow. Well, it sounds so exciting when you put it that way. It's like really removing barriers so that people can live healthy and successful lives. Yes, for sure. And so, Lorna, I know as a CEO of a large nonprofit organization in the health and human services space, you are probably pounding the pavement all of the time, working with constituents and government officials and funders. So tell me, when you first meet people, how do you explain uh, who it is that you are? You know, that's interesting. I just had a meeting some with someone earlier and they said, you know, they were a new CEO Ooh. and they said, Lorna, you have to do so much meeting and greeting and schmoozing. <laughs> and I said, yes, that is a, a significant part of, you know, the role. And so 
when I'm explaining who I am, I, you know, and I know this word can sound, but I say I'm a servant leader. And what I mean mm. by that, because the word servant isn't, you know, a popular word in that way. But the reason I say it that way is because I'm leading from a space of, yes, I'm educated. Yes, mm. I have strategy. Mm. I have all the business acumen, all of that. But I'm here to lead to make sure that the people who I'm working with and on behalf of have the opportunity for a better life. And so for me, I, I, I say at times I'm a servant leader, but I'm also relying, you know, on the faith aspect of what I believe we should do to help each other and help humankind. So that is for me when I'm introducing myself in the various entities, because I've been fortunate and blessed to be able to work in this space, but also have other um, interests that I've been able to explore and actually do pretty well in. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about that, because one of the reasons why I was so interested in your own story is that you have this great career in the nonprofit sector, and you're like this TV and media personality, and you've written a book. So so talk to me, how do all of those things sort of come together? And maybe what are some of the career breakthrough moments that have kind of led you to where you are today, really kind of wearing multiple hats? You know, that is a great question because at there, I will say to people, you know, they'll ask that a lot and say, wait a minute, I heard you're a photographer. Wait a minute. I heard you wrote a book. I thought you were CEO and president and, and, and they know all of these things coexist. And what I will say that's important when we talk about being your own brand is really going after and, and, and having the experiences and the opportunities to to live out your interests. Yeah. You know, there's a thought at many times that, okay, if I do this and I'm in this arena, I have to be in this box. Mm. And that is not true. We really need to explore things that uh, pique our interests, try them. I will say this all the time. I would rather be a has-been than a never-been. <laughs> and, and I mean that. And the reason I say that, because at least I tried it. At least I took the opportunity to explore if I'm great at it, if I'm going to get paid for it or not, it doesn't matter because if you do well and you really, you know, so today, so many people are trying to be seen, you know, what everything's being done to be seen. And I said, if you do the work and you really put your all into it and, and, and do what needs to get done and really strive for excellence, the time will come where people will see what you've done. Yeah, But you're not striving to be seen. You're striving to do the work. And so over the years, working with families and children, I started at a local community television show because I had an interest in the psychology and social work side. But I also had an interest in communication Mm. and television. And so in order to meet those, I said, well, I can't just go to CBS and say, hello, can I... uh, be on a talk show that wasn't where my mind was. No, no. And, <laughs> and and I also, to be honest, had a family. I, I had a child as a young person. That's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do at St. Anne's Family Services. Yeah. But I said, I, do, I don't have to let that interest die. So I go to a community station and I start to do interviews and talk about social consciousness and talking about empowering our community, then I noticed when I added entertainment and music to those conversations, 
I had so many more listeners and viewers. And that was a way to bridge the gap, what we called edutainment at the time, little entertainment and a little education. And so next thing you know, you know, 20 years later, I'm in P. Diddy's, you know, film with the interview that I had with him 20 years ago is a, a part of the film and also opened up all the bad boy reunion concerts that oh were gosh. held the year before the film. I wasn't doing it to be seen, but you do the good work. You put in the effort, you do it for love and passion, and then the results will be there. Yeah. And Lorna, I love this whole way that you've been able to kind of separate these things, right? Because we always talk about, we we, we want to promote ourselves. We want to promote our own professional brand and the things we've done, but it's very different, right? Like we want to promote things that we've done in our expertise and our passion. We're just not being promotional for promotion's sake, right? That's right. I mean, and it's interesting. You You should be confident and that evolves sometimes with maturity and, and, yeah. and having success. And you feel you should be able to share, wow, look what I've done. I mean, I should be able to say, wow, this young mom came from a place in an area that uh, was a loving community, but was an impoverished community to being the CEO and president mm. of organization that is uh operating budget that is an op- has an operating budget of 30 million yeah. i mean that is a, a serious leap but we don't want to be braggadocious we want to mm. be confident we want to know that we're supposed to be here we've yeah. earned our way to be here but it's the same thing with a level of humility that I'm comfortable saying that I started my show and my program at a community television station because for me, it's the hurdles that you overcome to get there that speaks volumes. Same thing in, in this role, in the television role. I didn't have a budget but I had a will and we had a way. Mm. And that's the same concept. I worked hard at a smaller organization doing the same thing. Los Angeles, someone saw that. And then I flew across the country, relocated, you know, and I'm here in California living an amazing life, making an impact for the past five years. Wow, that's so amazing. Now, I know I have to ask you about P. Diddy. So tell me, how how did you end up interviewing him? And then how did it all end up I- I- in the film? It's it's in in. I have so many wonderful stories that I'm fortunate of. And I always say, you know, the faith component of it is, you know, (laughs) I have, I call them ordinance ordained incidents, because if I tell you some of the things in my journey, you'd be like, wait a minute, how that happened. But I will say this, I was doing the show. I was able to interview um, actors, you know, art, music artists, entertainers, um, MC Hammer, LL Cool J, Queen Latifah, all those people. Remember now, I'm at a local station doing these big things. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to interview him. We were in Florida, actually, poolside. Um, <laughs> did the interview with him, asked him some questions about culture. And I think maybe what struck him in terms of using that, because he has many interviews. I want to be very clear. He has yeah. talked to so many people, larger um, stations, people who have really big impact But there was a reason clearly he selected that footage. But I think I was asking him 
how and why, how he got there to be this major mogul at a young age. At the time, we talk a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion now, but at the time, most of the people heading labels were older white men. Yeah. And here's this young guy with his, you know, necklace on, making millions and being a boss. And my question mm. to him was, how did you do this? Because I'm always interested in teaching the next generation how to level yes. up. And that's the theme throughout a lot of my work, whether it's the television program that I did back then or whether it is working in this realm, I want to see people succeed in life. I want them to know the blueprint. And so anytime I have the opportunity to share that information, to ask those questions and pass that on, that is what I'm going to do. And so when you were interviewing all of these celebrities, what was that one interview that you thought like really struck you or you really learned something from and and maybe you were surprised that you learned from this person? It's interesting. I listened, you know, I really try to listen. It's funny because we didn't have all the fancy equipment where you had the earpiece and so it could block (laughs) sound. So sometimes I was actually in like a concert hall trying to hear and listen, (laughs) but always, you know, being intentional. So it's pretty funny that you asked that. But I will say, Um, there are people who dropped gems even way back then. That's one of the things I love Mm. about seeing some of these people who I talked to way back then who are moguls now. LL Cool J, we had several interviews with him over the years. But one thing I remember him saying is, sometimes you need to talk less and listen more. Mm. And that simple statement struck me for a very long time. Another thing that Diddy, who is now Love, let's clarify the new name, um, he was Puff Daddy back then, then P. Diddy, and now he's Love. Um, One of the things that he had this saying that I really loved, and it was, you um, you know, close your eyes and dream, and then open your eyes and see. And I really believe, you know, for me, that's the life that I've lived I'm uh, that I've lived um, in the sense of just where I've come from to where I am now. I've worked hard. I've put in the time. I've prayed. I've done all the different things. But sometimes to close your eyes and say, wow, look where I've come from and look where I am now. And, Mm. And just even watching Queen Latifah. Just being a, you saw that business presence back then. Yeah. You know, she asked questions about certain things um, and and just struck me. And there was one singer one time um, where it's interesting, um, Montel Jordan, he had just kind of come to this place where he was saying that he was going to devote his time to um, kind of the faith community and maybe mm. going into ministry and gospel. And that was like one of the first time he times he spoke about that publicly. And I could feel the energy of like almost a release on him in that moment. It was a very spiritual moment in this interview. Um, and now he's doing all these things. Um, you know, he's been in a church out here and I believe they moved to Atlanta and he's doing marriage ministry, but it's, Watching the evolution of these folks has been amazing. And I do listen to all of them in Public Enemy. There's a documentary on PBS right now where they're talking about it's 50 years of hip hop at this point. And just the social consciousness, the resistance 
in those movements. Um, we had a big deal in sharing a lot of that because it wasn't entertainment for entertainment's sake. It was so that people would have an understanding that your voice is your power. Yes, I love that. Now, you talked about leveling up and helping others level up, but let's talk about when you've leveled up. So it's one thing to be an on-air personality, right? And it's one thing to put your passion to work in the non-profit sector, but it's a whole nother thing to be a president and CEO of an organization. So what were some of the things that helped you level up to that leadership and executive role? Yeah. Well, first of all, education is a part of it. I have to say that, you know, when I go back and talk to a lot of people, my teachers from elementary school, high school, a lot of them say, Lorna, you know, you were what we see as kind of a natural leader. I was always Mm. organizing things, whether it's on the playground or, you know, let's get together, let's do this and let's do that. But I would say education. I've always had it at had an interest in trying to help solve problems. Yeah. So um, I went to school. I got a degree in psychology and communication, both those loves we talked about, yeah. the social work, psychology side, and then that communication side. But then I went and got a master's degree in, you know, in social work because I wanted to help solve some of these social issues, work with people and helping them do that. And so that allowed me to move in that space. Remember now, I mentioned that I was a young mom. So I came from a a situation where there were some challenges. I had to overcome obstacles. And I realized I wanted to help others make it along the way as well. And so that lived experience, along with the education, um, the postmasters in foster and adoption studies allowed me and the business sense, because a lot of people think nonprofits are just, oh, we're just, you know, happy and nice and we want to raise a little money. It is a business. You have to understand how to raise money. You have to know how to talk to donors. You, I have about 400 staff that I need to make sure that they get what they need and to help them stay employed. And most of all, to help us provide the services for our program participants and clients. So getting to that place is really, I've been committed. I've been passionate. I put in many hours, um, well beyond what is paid for, because for me, that outcome of success for those clients and those families. When I see a young woman that was gave birth at 15 um, in law school, when I see someone that is now a clinician who mm. had the hardest life, who was abused and um, at 17 and 18, and now they're a clinical therapist providing others with support, that's what lets me know that I did the right thing because there was a choice to make between should I be, you know, going in the realm of media? Should I go in the social services realm? And I really focus mostly in the social services realm. And I know that I made the right decision. You know, I have a personal website. And the only reason I bring that up because it goes in with the conversation. We in our lives will rotate in different spaces and in different jobs our career and our thread runs through it all. And yeah. a little guidance is the name of my personal business. The only reason I bring that up is because we will always be our own brand, no matter where we are. Absolutely. And I love that, right? We're our own brand, regardless of where we work, but ideally we're looking for those roles that are a great co-brand, like, you know, yes. Coke and McDonald's, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. And so 
it, it's important to remember. And, and those, you know, learn, heal, grow is part of everything that I do, whether it's television, whether it's counseling, because I'm a clinician. I didn't mention that. Um, all of it. It's all related. Learn, heal and grow. I love that. And I love that you talk about your organization as a business, right? I hate that we, we sometimes use that term like, oh, not for profit means we don't, like, we're not, we don't have business acumen when really, like, we are here to raise money and make money so that we can reinvest it in people, right? Just not giving it to shareholders. My thing is no money, no mission. Ooh. Words to live by, right? It's very difficult to provide the services you want. You can have the will, I get that. But in order to keep people housed and provide services and feed them and provide clothing and opportunities, you have to have the funding and you have to have the skill and a strategy to be able to do that. Yeah. And now, Lorna, you, you've mentioned being a young parent yourself, and, and really that's the crux of your book, Mums the Word. So, so tell us a little bit about that story. The story, basically, I, I hadn't planned on writing a book, but I was doing a journal, which re- I recognized, you know, my healing journey was that I really needed to share this once again, trying to help those who may have faced some type of family challenge to move forward. So when I was in my thirties, I accidentally found out I was adopted accidentally. Yeah. Um, so yes, I had a child as a young person, but the, the story evolves with that, but it also evolves with here I am, you know, being interested in working in these spaces. And then I'm finding out that, I actually was looking to get my birth certificate for, of all things, a family reunion. And my birth certificate, I was born in London, England. I need to make that clarification or I wouldn't have been able to find that out because birth certificates are often closed here. Um, So I'm filing for that. taking long to come. I get a notice that comes back that says uh, certificate of adoption. Like, these people in London are crazy. I've been living with my parents all this time. And, you know, this is my family, my parents that I've known. Why would they send me something like this? And so come to find out, you know, after much trying to figure out if this is real or not, truly there was an adoption. I was never told it's called late discovery adoption. And so the book takes me takes the reader and it kind of journeys like a 12 year period where from the time I found out through what happened with my mother who raised me through being blessed to find my biological mother, find out Mm. that I'm not an only child, that I have siblings, all the things. Um, So it's an amazing journey of healing. Yeah. And, and how did that impact your world from a professional standpoint? Well, what I will say is that I have always been the person that's deemed as the very strong person. Mm. I'm the one who steady state. I don't let the, you know, they literally gave me an award at an organization that I worked at over 25 (laughs) years ago that said, don't let the problem rock your mind, blow Mm. your mind. Actually, let me say it right. Don't let the problem blow your mind because that was me. Don't let the problem blow your mind. If anything needed to be solved, handled, that's me. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to make sure it's taken care of. And what happened was my mind was blown when this situation (laughs) occurred. Even though some people say that um, within the scope of it, I still handled it very well. 
But I mean, you find out after in your 30s that your whole kind of life situation of what you thought wasn't what it was. Yeah. And that there was some lies told to you. How it affected my uh, work world in, in my profession is to really have a greater understanding of the journey people go through, the challenges they face, how people can cope, how we can support each other to cope. But it also gave me that connection point. You know, being a young mom gave me a connection point. We're working in spaces where I'm working on behalf of young families and young parents. That gave me um, a level of understanding and connection in the adoption community. And so I'm an advocate for, um, you know, really telling people and sharing and being, taking the mystery and the secrecy out of adoption. It has um, really given me perspective on both sides. Because remember now, I'm working with parents who, I'm working with young people who were in the foster care system, and there's been kind of disruption at times between them and their parent. I'm also working with adoptees who are adults now who I can relate to. And then just the whole dynamics around so many people, if they're not even connected in this realm, you know, Mm. family secrets and things that are shameful, lifting the shame and secrecy causes so much, um, Havoc creates havoc and stress and toxicity sometimes in our community, which is completely unnecessary because some of the things people are ashamed of, it's just life that has happened to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you've you talked a little bit about your brand in terms of like what your core mission and what you believe in is. Tell me, give me three words that you would use to describe brand Lorna Little as an executive, an author, a media personality. What three words would you use? Ooh, um, I think um, authentic is one word. Um, I think I'm always authentic. I think I'm wise, strategic, creative, very intuitive, spiritual. And two words that I will say and my staff will tell you, um, I believe in leading from a place of high support and high accountability. Mm. Say more about that. Those two words, you know, sometimes you have these long drawn out things and statements about all of this and that. I will tell you that has been something that has been the best way for me to speak to my staff and our team as to what is expected. And it's fair because if you provide high support and you give people the resources they need and you care about them as individuals and you try to make sure that they have an opportunity to be at their best, but then you also have high accountability because you know that you need that level of excellence. You want that commitment. You want that competence. The two together spell success. Mm. When you have one high or one low, so if you got high support and you do everything for the person and don't hold them accountable, it's problematic. The other way around is problematic too. If you have accountability and you want people to do everything and be at all at, at, at their best, but you don't give them support, that's yeah. not going to work. That's how you get burnout. So high support and high accountability are words that uh, we live by and I lead by. Mm, I love that. Now, you also, you you talked about being, you know, very wise and strategic and then at the same time creative. So talk to me about that because oftentimes people are either wise, right, or they're creative, <laughs> but they're not really both. So h- how do those two things work at the intersection for you? 
It's fascinating because people will say, well, wait a minute. How can you be both left brain and right brain? Um, it's been, <laughs> You're like, because I got a whole brain. Times. Yes, I use my whole. Thank you. And that's exactly what I say. You got it. I use my whole brain. I think it's not limiting ourselves. Mm. I think I also have to be honest. I think sometimes when we're so driven by money, we don't think we can pursue things that aren't going to bring us funds. Mm. And so I wasn't an artist but I, I had surgery on my knee one time and I decided I'm very, uh, I'm used to being busy, you know, keeping moving. Now I was laid up, so I couldn't do it. I just started to lay in the bed while recuperating and created these pieces of art. I came up with this concept called, can you hear me? H A I H A I R. And I made these pieces that used hair and, and women's clothing and just these beautiful pieces that became an art show. My friend came over and said, what are you going to do with all these? I said, oh, I'll hang them. I'll put them somewhere. She said, no, you need to have an art show. I didn't limit myself because for a moment I said, but I'm not an artist. She said, what I see here, yes, you are. Mm. I was able to have that wise counsel for somebody to pour into me. Yeah. Then I had an art show. There's creativity. I believe that all of the experience that I had through the show that I did gave me a level of comfort to be able to speak to anyone. I spoke to mayors. I've spoke to vice presidents. I've spoken to people on in the community, in the street, me talking to, you know, Latifah, Diddy, you know, Morris Chestnut, uh, SWV, all the people that I talked to, that fear of speaking to people and speaking in public and doing public speaking engagements erased. It transitioned over into the corporate and, and nonprofit mm. realm. Yeah. So never take any experience that you have for granted because that experience can transfer into another arena. Mm. And so whether it's the creative me being a problem solver, okay, so here I was laid up in the bed with this knee issue. Let's do something. I created art. In the workspace, there may be a lack of funding somewhere. How can I be creative and maximize our opportunities? It really is different, but yet the same. Yeah. And now, Lorna, how has that evolved for you over time as an adult in the workplace? Have you sort of always been wise, strategic, creative, intuitive, or have you kind of grown into some of those? Um, There was a baseline, but you definitely, I've definitely grown with time. Um, The wisdom evolves, life brings experiences, um, And if you pay attention, you can become wise because there are people who have lived many years that don't listen to some of those life lessons. And it's different. Yeah. But I will say that, um, you know, you learn when to, you know, I'm comfortable at times just being quiet and just watching and sitting back and observing because sometimes you'll just let things play themselves out. Sometimes when you're younger, you're ready to to jump in and you you want to make sure people know your point of view you know when to speak and when not to speak. You know when to take action. You know when um, you need to to stop something that's happening early on because you know the impact of how it can fester. You know, there are things that you learn by sometimes it's experience, sometimes, you know, um, actually I will say this is probably sound strange, but being the teacher and the mentor has taught me a lot as well. Ooh, yeah. And and how, how has that helped you? Because you learn to listen and be a better mm. active listener 
And there are things that you get when you're listening to people from different walks of life. You come to the table with an open mind and an open heart and you say, ooh, I may not have thought about it that way, but that makes sense. I'm always open and willing to learn. And when you're teaching and mentoring, you're actually, although you're giving information and guidance and support, you're learning as well. At least I feel you should be. And so that has helped me in my growth as well, reminding me that you're never too here and <laughs> status. You know, I'm here on this level and, and I can't. No, you're learning all the time. I will tell you that the, one of the wisest people that I've dealt with in the years in the work setting, and I share this, his name is Mr. Brown, and I used mm. to work with him and he was ahead of our maintenance. Mm. And let me tell you the gems that that man would give me when we would have conversation mm. were amazing. And when I tell people that they said, wow, he would tell me that I was like one of the first people that were actually in leadership that would actually have conversation with him. I saved so much money, even building wise, listening to him because you know what? He knew what worked, what didn't work, what was broken, yeah. what, but no one talked to him because he's, the maintenance person. Mm. You can learn from everyone. You come to the table with respect, an open mind, an open heart, and boundaries too. Yeah. You know, I think boundaries are very important. People use the word, but boundaries are very important in terms of letting people know what you um will and and, and what you you're not up to allowing. Mm. Because people will take advantage of you if you don't kind of have those clear boundaries. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about boundaries because it strikes me that you are very confident and you're very authentically uh, Lorna Little, right? But we yeah. all <laughs> interact with people where, you know, our brand doesn't really click for them or it doesn't really work for them, right? How have you sort of adjusted or or flexed or you know, kind of drawn a boundary in terms of how you alter yourself around people where maybe your style or your brand doesn't work for them? Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I use this saying that I will always protect my peace. Mm. And, and when you're a leader, that doesn't mean you're not going to be around people who may not reflect your values, uh, people who may not subscribe to the way in which you do things. You know, I believe in being ethical. I believe in in each scenario that, you know, people are learning, healing, growing. If I'm around someone that doesn't subscribe to that, it depends on the setting. If it's a work setting, I, I may not have the opportunity. If it's a funder or a donor or someone, you know, you may not have an opportunity to step away. But I make it very clear what I stand for, who I mm. am, what I believe respectfully. I'm always respectful. If it's in a personal setting in the community, I am not going to surround myself or allow some of those mm. type of behaviors or spirits or what have you to penetrate me because there's no need in a business setting. I know how to, um, you know, stand my ground, be respectful, but also share where I'm coming from. And I will not spend more time with someone who doesn't reflect those values or beliefs beyond the time that I have to. Yeah. 
Ooh, I like that, right? It's it's there there you go being strategic again, right? Now, I know we could talk all day, uh Lorna, but I have just a couple fun questions uh okay. to close us out. We've we've your been talking about that is yeah, your name. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, Diddy is love, your name is fun. <laughs> exactly. That that's my the, I'm formerly known as Jason. I'm just that's fun, right. right? Formerly known. Um so Lorna, we were talking about your brand. Uh what what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What's something that you can't live without or that you're obsessed Ooh. with? Oh, and 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 it's not a, a a brand in terms of a Gucci or something like that. Could it be a service brand? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, Instacart. <laughs> <laughs> and why are you obsessed oh, I mean, with Instacart? There, I shouldn't say that. There, there are several brands that I like, but I will tell you, I am an Instacart queen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I will order in the morning and then I've forgotten something else and I'm ordering again in the evening. But there, there are a lot of brands. It's funny because I have never been a person that is like, oh, I have to have this brand, although I do like quality, I think I, I think because of my experiences in working with youth and working with communities that are underserved at time, sometimes they see some of these designers and things on social media and they strive at all costs, even sometimes mm. negative costs to get them. Absolutely. And then they get them and they're still not fulfilled. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's the other side of it. But I do love Amazon and Instacart. I won't talk about any ownership, but just, you know. <laughs> and they are they are at least fulfilling you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Lorna, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why? Ooh. Well, I would be a Mercedes-Benz. Mm. I like the sleek look. Mm. I like um, the fact that you can identify it, even though they've evolved and gone through kind of shape changes. They haven't changed so much that you don't know who they are. And I like to remain classic, still a little stylish. I have one that has like a sun, you know, the panoramic sunroof and and I love light. So I'm going to be my white Mercedes Benz, although I'm black, you know, just to be (laughs) fair. There's the left <laughs> left and right side of the brain yeah. all over again, yeah. right? Um, now, Lorna, finally, what is the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Wow. I would think that I would like to say, do your best even when someone's not watching. Mm. I do believe, I said it before, don't work hard to be seen. Do the work and people will see you. Mm. I really do believe that If you have the passion, you know the why, you can go far. Why are you doing it? I'm honest with people when they come through our new hire orientation, I say, I know you're here. Everyone needs money. They need to work. They need to, you know, pay their bills, eat, have space over their head, a roof over their head. But I need you to want to be here because you want to work to help people in our organization and in our Mm. community. So whatever you're going to do, do it because you want to do it, not because someone else wants you to do it, because you want to do it and you want to make a difference in the community and in the world, even in the business world. Yeah. Well, Lorna Little, thank you so much for making a difference in our world. Now tell me if people want to learn more about St. Anne's Family Services and support your work, uh, where should they go? 
It's uh, our website is www. S-T-A-N-N-E-S dot org. Well, Lorna Little, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great talking to you. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. What an amazing conversation with Lorna Little, the president and CEO of St. Anne's Family Services. You know, everything she shared was so applicable to all of our careers and really leading with our brands. But the one thing that really stood out to me from Lorna is the fact that she says she uses both sides of her brain. And you know, they always say in your brand, you have to have expertise, but you not only need expertise, you need differentiation. So I love that Lorna doesn't just turn off and stop leading with something that's unique to her brand. Instead, she allows these two different things, social service and commitment to the community, and a love for arts and culture and storytelling and the creative, and she blends them together. Because quite frankly, she is able to thread the needle there and operate at the intersection of the creative and social service. So what are you at the intersection of? Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll deliver a brand new show every single Tuesday. Now, make sure you're following me on LinkedIn and all social platforms. I'm at Jason Patria and drop me a DM or a comment on a post because I'd love to hear your thoughts and more importantly, what questions you'd like to hear us cover on the show. Remember, it's It is Women's History Month, so check out our Women on Brand collection by visiting leadwithyourbrand.com slash womenonbrand. And most importantly, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.